Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Monday night. That means it's time for the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell, and we're going to be sitting back for the next hour and talking about the Cincinnati Reds and the Cleveland Indians as we enter the last week of spring training for the 2013 season. Alongside, once again, as always, our resident Reds expert and the pride of Wright State University, Mark Donahue. Mark, good evening. Hi, Dave. Uh, I'm going to try and be cheerful tonight, despite the fact I'm looking out my window, and we have seven inches of snow on the ground, and opening day is exactly one week away. Now, I know we've had it in Cleveland, where a game, the opening day has been snowed out, but do you remember the last time a game in Cincinnati was snowed out opening day? I don't remember a game being snowed out, but I remember back in 1985, I believe it was, we were living in Florida, and of course, uh, being a Reds fan, I wanted to come up for opening day, and I did, and we sat in the right field bleachers, and it snowed so much you couldn't see home plate. That was during the game, and they kept playing. That was the amazing thing. Now, the snow finally stopped. And they got the game in, and actually, I think the Reds played the Cubs and got beat. But uh, that's that was just, that was an opening day. I was we come up from Florida, we're all suntanned and all that. We didn't wear the right clothes, and it was a miserable opening day. Do you remember when the season began, like two weeks into April, not the first day of April? Sure. I mean, that's when they had 154 game schedule. And, uh, you know, they played uh, that many fewer games. And, and, of course, the World Series was always over by the second week in October. And now it goes into November sometimes, and it begins as early as March 31st, which it will this year. Uh, it, it makes for a ridiculously long season. And you would think baseball could add a dime a ticket or a quarter a ticket or whatever it would be. And I, I'd rather see them play in better weather. I mean, I can guarantee you next week, there'll be games snowed out, rained out. It'll be miserably cold the first couple of weeks somewhere. And the other amazing thing to me, let's say the the Angels are playing Detroit. They'll play in Detroit rather than play in California. It, It doesn't make any sense. Like, nobody reads weather reports or where it's likely to be colder. Uh, Nonetheless, I mean, Mark, you you look at this situation, and it's going to begin next week. Yeah, and it's it's going to be freezing. Uh, As I said, somewhere it'll be really cold. So uh, hopefully I saw the long-term forecast, and it's supposed to be about 55 degrees here in Cincinnati. What's the forecast for Cleveland? Well, right now the forecast in Cleveland is that it's going to be nice but the problem is is that we're opening in Toronto, so there's not going to be a chance of anything 
going wrong there. I mean, we're, we're going to have a good uh, opening three games in Toronto, and then we go to Tampa Bay, which is another dome stadium. But you guys have got the Angels to start out with. Down in Cincinnati, it, it's liable to be 50 degrees and maybe even 40 in snow down there. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it make more sense that the Reds were to open in Los Angeles <laughs> rather than the Angels coming to Cincinnati at this time of year? Uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. No, I, I, I definitely agree with you with, without a doubt. Nonetheless, uh, well, how are your brackets looking, Mark? Well, I, as you remember, I picked Indiana. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not boasting yet, but if they win, I certainly will. Uh, I, I think they, Indiana looked good. Uh, Temple, I thought, played a great game yesterday. and uh, But I, I'm, I'm really smitten by uh, Florida, what do they call it, Gulf Coast uh, University. I mean, the two wins they had, uh, they beat two really good teams. And uh, that's an, that, when I saw them in the second half yesterday, that is as quick a team up and down the floor as I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I, I agree with you. They are an outstanding ball club. But I'll tell you, another kid that put on quite a show yesterday was Barry Larkin's son, Shane. You know, I did not see that game. Well, t- tell me what he did. Well, he play, uh, first of all, uh, they won again, so they're in the uh, Sweet 16. But that kid just does an outstanding – he plays an outstanding floor game, Mark. I mean, there's not much you could say. He also had around 20 points in the game and led Miami to a runaway win. But now, you look at this. Let me grab my bracket here real quick before we get into the the schedule. What Miami has got now is they're playing Syracuse. So that ought to be a heck of a matchup. Yeah, that will be a good game. And and who's in the play? Indiana will be – let me grab this real quick again. They are playing – uh, boy, I've lost it here all of a sudden. Oh, uh, no, I'm sorry. Indiana is playing Syracuse. Miami has got uh, Marquette. Yeah, it's going to be a good game. I yeah. thought Miami looked awfully tough, too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm pulling for Ohio State, even though I picked Indiana. I'd love to see the Buckeyes win. But, uh, that, to me, they didn't look as good as they have looked, and they didn't look as good as some of the other teams I saw yesterday. No, I, I agree with you. I, I thought Ohio State got away with by the by the skin of their teeth. But nonetheless, hey, the Reds made uh, some news over the past few days. Let's get into baseball. Of course, our guest tonight is going to be C. Trent Rosencrantz, who is the new beat writer for the Cincinnati Inquirer. We're going to be talking to him. He's been uh, generous enough to give us about 10, 15 minutes of his time coming up here. Uh, in about 15 minutes, we'll be getting a hold of him. But you can also get a hold of us also if you'd like to uh, via the social media. You can email us at, at ultimatesportstalk.com or you can email me directly at dmitch at ultimatesportstalk.com or you can uh, give us a tweet at ohbbcohost and at altsportstalk. So that's what's happening there. But Mark, as I said, the Reds and Indians now the final week of spring training. Everybody is cutting down their uh, rosters, and the Reds came to a big decision over the weekend, and that is they are going to start or relieve Araldus Chapman. You tell us. Well, they're going to put him back in the bullpen, and uh, that's not much of a surprise. The, the way he dominated the bullpen last year, 
And, boy, when you look at that Reds bullpen, uh, with Broxton in the eighth, Marshall in the seventh, and Chapman in the ninth, plus the depth they have with other arms in that bullpen. And I, I think it's fair to say that that bullpen, and it, it can always blow up on you, but right now on paper has to be the strongest bullpen in the majors. And th- what they did, though, they weakened their starting rotation <clears throat> by putting Mike Leak in the, keeping him in the rotation and moving Chapman back to the bullpen. I, I, I think, I fear that Leak, uh, if he continues his, his uh, current performance, and he's not looked good this spring at all, that the Reds are going to be looking for a new for the starter. And uh, I don't know if they're going to look inside or they're going to look outside. Well, what's interesting about that, Mark, is that we talked about it last week, and I guess I wanted to ask you, Mark Pryor, whom the Reds signed to a free agent minor league contract, was supposed to start last Thursday's game, but he ended up coming into the ball game in relief. Do you have any idea why they switched their plans on him in that game? <clears throat> I don't think they did. What I had heard, he was going to come into the fifth or sixth inning. I did not hear he was going to start. I think that's the game that Cueto started, I think. And he didn't he didn't pitch well, which I want to talk to Trent about the Reds starting pitching so far. But uh, if every indication I heard that that Pryor was looked pretty good. Uh, he was still on in the low 90s. He, he kept his stuff down. And uh, I mean, it, it, you're talking about a huge long shot, a guy who has not pitched in the big leagues regularly since 2006. That's that's asking an awful lot of anybody to make a contribution this year. But he certainly could make a contribution during the year in the bullpen. I mean, this guy can get his velocity up to 94, 95. Uh, he's, he, was, he and Kerry Wood, I lived in Chicago at the time, they were the most dominant tandem pitchers I had seen coming to the league at the same time in decades. I mean, they were really overpowering. And if you remember... That's when Kerry uh, Wood struck out, what, uh, 19 batters or 20 batters in a game. Uh, you would think that the Cubs would have won a couple World Series with those two guys. But uh, injuries come up, and uh, I'm really glad the Reds are giving Pryor another chance. I, he's a great kid. Or not a, he's, a, he's a great young man, and uh, I, I hope all the best for him. Yeah, I mean, Pryor's coming off that arm injury. He did pitch in relief last Thursday against Oakland. He went one inning, struck out one. And after the game, he talked about his uh, confidence and just how his arm felt after that. I think it's going to take the swing fast. We saw that early. Just trying to throw strikes. It was a little up, a little rushed. Probably on 50% of the pitches. But overall, you know, first time not doing it, you know, in a big league environment in a couple years, it was good. I think two years ago when I was in camp with the Yankees, you know, and I got to face, you know, all spring at about nine outings there. you know, I think that was a good test for me, you know, if I could still get big league hitters out and pitch well. Um, so, you know, for me, it wasn't, I don't think it's nerve-wracking from that standpoint, um, facing big league hitters, but, you know, you still want to know that your stuff still play. Uh, you know, facing triple guys in the last couple of days, you know, minor camp, I'm not sure if I'm going to talk to you, but, you know, it's always nice to, to get out there and, you know, see, see the guy swings, the big league guy swings off the way your stuff is, just kind of get a gauge of where you're at. I'm pitching. You know, I pitched last year, and, you know, I just wanted to play and, you know, see what happens. You know, I, I've done the work that I need to do to get myself in this position. Uh, I'm fortunate to have the opportunity, again, to, to be in this position. And, you know, we just kind of see, you know, what happens. I don't, I don't really 
try to get too far out in advance of what might happen. Um, I mean, it's day to day, today was a good day, and you know, we'll go back to work tomorrow. Mark, of course, uh, Latos is hurt. Arroyo got hit. They both got hit uh, on line drives on consecutive days over the weekend. Kyle Loesch is now off the market. He signed with Milwaukee today, a three-year deal. No financials were given. If Arroyo and Latos are hurt, and, and I've heard Latos is out for at least two weeks, um, what are the Reds going to do for a fourth and fifth starter? And could Pryor be pushed into that, or do you think they'll do something else? Well, first of all, you have a lot of uh, open uh, open dates in April. I think the Reds have two or three in the first couple of weeks, so they may not even need a fifth pitcher for a while. But if it if uh, now I did not hear the story about Latos. I, I the article I read is he does not expect to miss a start. Now that may be his hope. And the team may be saying, "No, we're not going to waste or you know risk you, losing you for the entire year." So I, I think the Reds will let this go uh, until maybe the beginning of May. Uh, but there, if if Leak, my concern with Leak is that uh, he had a weak second half two years ago. Uh, he had a good ending last year, but if you recall, he got off zero and five start last year. And this year in spring training, uh, he's not pitched well at all. So if, if I see that and you see that, certainly the Reds front office see it. And uh, I, I really believe this team, this organization, believes they can and should win this year. And I, I don't think you're going to see them wait around till the All-Star break if, uh, if Leak starts off 2-7 and seven or 2-8, and eight, something like that. This is too important a year. No, I, I agree with you, but, you know, like I said, Loesch is off of the uh, the market now. He signed a day with Milwaukee, which was uh, kind of surprising, I think, that he went to Milwaukee. What did you think? I, I had heard that for a couple of weeks, that, that they were talking to him. Um, it's interesting. I, I guess the only reason they signed him is his value came down so precipitously since the beginning of spring training and has what has been a trend, I think, of late, of Boris overvaluing his guys, and the, the teams just saying, "Thanks, but no thanks." We'll, we'll, you know, we'll do without your man. And this means that unless Loesch has been throwing regularly, which is awfully hard to do, he, he's missed all of spring training. It's likely he's not going to be ready until till May uh, to step into the starting rotation. So. Um, you know, I, I think he can help, but believe me, I, I have seen Loesch in action when he was with the Reds. He's very, very inconsistent, and I don't know what his problem is, if it's in his head uh, or he just loses focus or whatever it is, but I'm not that concerned with the Brewers signing Loesch. I'm not sure he's going to add that much to that starting rotation. They've got a pretty good rotation without him. Well, let's switch over to the Indians before we bring in Trent Rosencrans as our guest tonight. And the Indians made a lot of moves today, Mark. Uh, for example, they finally came out and announced that Scott Kazmir has won that number five spot in the rotation. During spring training, he had a 3.46 ERA. He only walked one in four starts and struck out 13. And he really only had one bad outing, and that was on Saturday. Now, Justin Masterson will be the opening day starter. 
and I know you're going to fall off your chair when I say this, Mark, but Ubaldo Jimenez, somebody has gotten between that guy's ears and has and he has finally decided that he's going to listen to some coaching. He's been pitching better. He had an outstanding performance yesterday against the Cubs. He went seven innings, gave up only three runs, all earned, four hits, struck out three, walked one in the 4-3 to three loss to the Cubs. And I'll tell you what, the kid looked outstanding. Well, that, that would be a great story to have him come back. Uh, you know, I, I hope that he can do it. Uh, do you recall what year he was signed? Uh, with, with Colorado, do you mean? Yeah, he's got two years left on his contract. He's got this one and next year. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, boy, when, when he first came up, you remember that? I think it was in two, that must have been 2009. He was 14-3 and three in the first half of the season, or 2010. I forget which year it was. And then uh, and, and he pitching in Colorado. He was just unhittable. And then for some reason, inexplicable, uh, nobody could figure out what happened to him over a couple years. The guy with that kind of stuff, pitching in a place where pitchers normally get smashed, uh, and, and he lost it very quickly. So it would be great for him and certainly great for the Indians to uh, have him recapture what he was a few years ago. Yeah, it definitely would be done. You know what you're going to get out of Masterson? You're going to get about 14 wins. If they could get 14 wins out of Jimenez, I think they'd be right up there with Detroit and Kansas City. We're going to have our prediction show next week, by the way, so come back for that. But the Indians also made some other moves today, Mark. They released Daisuke Matsusaka and Matt Caps. They got rid of both of them. Neither one of them decided to go to the minor leagues, so they outright gave them their release. Carlos Carrasco, who is battling with Casimir for that number five spot in the starting rotation, uh, he has made the club, but because of the throwing incident against Kansas City last year, he has to undergo a six-game suspension. Ryan Rayburn did make the team. Nick Hagedon made the team. Brian Shaw, who they got from Arizona in the Trevor Bauer, Shinsu Chu trade, made the team. Jason Giambi evidently has made the team also, but he has been put on the 15-day DL and won't be eligible to get back on the roster until April the 10th. Jan Gomez and Cord Phelps. Phelps was having an outstanding spring, Mark. He was batting 375. He had 18 hits and 48 at-bats, three homers, seven RBIs. And after they demoted him to Columbus, uh, Terry Francona said that there just was nothing else Phelps could do to make the team. It was just a matter of numbers. Um, Chris Perez is ready for opening day for the Indians. Uh, he'll probably throw a couple of games this week just to get, get ready to go. But, Mark, one of the more surprising things is the fact that Drew Stubbs is putting the ball in play. He's still leading the team with 13 strikeouts. But if you remember just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about him having 10. In the last two weeks, he's only struck out three times. Well, we've said all, all spring that if he does that, if he puts the ball in play, you're going to have a guy hitting 275, 15 to 20 home runs, and, and playing great outfield. I wish he could have done it for the Reds. Had he done that for the Reds, he'd still be in center field. Yeah, definitely. But uh, that's what happens. Now maybe the Indians can come back. Well, Mark, you know, it's a sad note that I bring up tonight also, and I'm sure you recall what happened last Friday 20 years ago. Uh, two of the Cleveland Indians pitchers down at Little Lake Nelly in Florida when the Indians were 
training in Florida. Uh, Steve Olin and Tim Cruz, they died in a boating accident, which also injured teammate Bob Ojeda. That, like I said, it was at Little Lake Nelly in Florida within sight of Cruz's home and about 40 miles from the Indians' camp in 1993 at Winter Haven. They just went out fishing on an off day, and it came back, and it was dark, and they ran into a bridge, and it killed uh, both Olin and Cruz. Mark, do you remember that? I remember it very well. I was living, as I said, down in Florida at the time, and uh, I, I remember I know, I know where that is. And I remember it very well. Very and sad. I went to opening day that year, uh, and they had just the most moving ceremony for those two in Cleveland in front of 72,000. It was also the last season in the old stadium before they opened up Jacobs Field the next year. And it was just, it was just moving. And their widows, Patty Olin and Lori Cruz, raised their kids afterwards and, and – We've got a tape here where they spoke about their life after the accident. And the first voice you're going to hear is that of Patty Olin. And then the second voice you're going to hear is from Lori Cruz. I'm still really close to Steve's parents and sisters. And so they get a lot of feedback from the Olin family. Um, still tell stories all the time about, you know, what a goofy daddy was and what a great friend he was and father and son and all those things, so his memory's kept alive still. You see a lot of Stephen Garrett, especially you've said. Oh, yeah, his mannerisms, just his facial expressions, sometimes things he even says, or body language, and uh, yeah, so, and then Alexa is a really good mix of the both of us, but you still always see sort of the free spirit that Steve always has, and um, Kaylee is just... This, you know, she's, again, the free spirit, tells it like it is, loves everybody, and, you know, just, the one thing I've attended all three have in common is just their free spirit, and just, you know, don't really, nothing really ruffles their feathers, and, and uh, you know, something happens to them, they, they learn how to shake it off pretty quickly. Sometimes they, when I think about it, I feel like it's like a story I read. And I think, oh, that, that poor girl. And then I go, I'm just realizing myself that that poor girl is me. So, so, yeah, it does feel, it feels like a blank. I can't believe, you know, just telling people, you know, 23-year-old and twins that are 20, it makes me feel old, but it feels like yesterday. On a daily basis, when we go do things, and I think it's something that he might have been funny about, or I have a good memory about, like when we're fishing, I'll just tell the kids the stories. And they really appreciate that. Um, his parents talk about a lot of things that he used to do when he was a little kid and how similar that Sean or Travis or, or Tricia would be to him. Um, you know, it's less and less that we get to think about him because our life has so many other things that, that they were full of that the kids have done since Timmy has passed away. And you heard some of the stories that they told. But, um, you know, we have pictures, we have videos, and we have friends that keep them in, in our hearts and our minds. <coughs>
I think David, if you can hear me, uh, is getting Trent Rosecrans on on the phone, and we're going to be discussing the, the Reds roster going into uh, the 2013 season. And uh, I have a number of questions for Trent. And basically, uh, you know, I think the what we're seeing so far from the Reds has been disappointing in spring training. But I'd be anxious to hear what Trent take his take on the uh, performance of the Reds so far this year. The starting pitching, I think the the Reds right now, with the injuries to Arroyo and to Latos, and the lack of performance by um, Homer Bailey and Mike Leake, have to be bothersome to the Reds' front office. And this comes in, of course, the heels of Aroldis Chapman going back to the bullpen. So I hope the Reds are <laughs> not as disturbed about this as I am, because uh, they, they must feel that the rotation is in good hands. But uh, it'll be interesting to hear uh, the take of, of, of Trent because he's seen the team in action in spring training so far this year. But the other concerning part is not just the, the rotation. The Reds have not hit in spring training. Uh, there's been a couple exceptions. Uh, Devin Masarocco, uh has had a good sprint. Uh, but a number of uh, the starting players have not played well, offensively at least. So, Okay, hopefully we've got Trent there. Trent, are you there? I believe so. <laughs> oh, boy. I'll tell you. Sometimes you have mechanical difficulties, and it just doesn't work out. Hey, thank, thanks for joining us tonight, Trent. I'm Dave Mitchell. Trent Rosencrantz is our guest here this evening on the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I am Dave Mitchell, and I think we've uh, lost Mark Donahue now, but... Mar uh, Trent, I want to get into it a little bit. Uh, you've only been with the Reds. I know you told us you went down a couple of weeks ago. Tell me a little bit about what your experience has been down in Arizona and what the Reds are looking like right now. Well, I mean, it's spring training. I mean, you don't really, uh, especially a team that's established, there's there's nothing to be, there, there's not a whole lot of lessons to be learned by what they look like in spring training. Um, you, the big questions were uh, the Chapman decision and Votto's health. Votto's health is not an issue whatsoever. Uh, he's got you know, the one thing you might want to see was power, and I think anybody who saw the highlight the other day off you, Darvish, there's no lack of power with uh, Joey Votto. He certainly has it with him right now. Um, so, you know, that's or whatnot are kind of irrelevant. You know, you're talking about a team that was searching for the end, for the uh, for the bottom of its bullpen. Um, it's fifth, sixth, long guy, that kind of thing, and the last spot on its bench. And uh, those those two questions will probably be answered as soon as as Tuesday. And and after that, I think you you're looking at a team that, that's pretty well established in what they do and who they are. Trent, we've reacquired uh, Mark Donahue, but before we get back to Mark, I wanted to ask you, now the Reds have come back and said Chapman is going to go back to the bullpen. They're going to move him out of the starting rotation. Was that more of a case of they decided they needed Chapman in the bullpen more than starting, or what was the basis of that decision? Well, I think there's a lot of things there. And number one, the biggest thing I believe is that they wanted – they see this is the year that they can win the World Series. And they, if, if you're transitioning him into a starter, um, that's 
not, that's a gradual thing. I mean, you're, I, I think he could eventually be a very good starter, but I don't know how much you can count on him in year one. And as much as I think they had faith in Jonathan Broxton and Sean Marshall and that crew, it, you certainly don't have as dominating a bullpen without him. So I, I think it was a win-now decision as opposed to a long-term decision, whereas, whereas starters probably better long-term. The short-term was was in the closing, and that's where they decided to go short-term over long-term. Hey, Trent, Mark Donahue. Thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple questions about the Reds pitching staff. Uh, obviously, uh, they have not pitched up to up to form so far in spring training. I'm not usually hung up on that, but Homer Bailey got nailed uh, the last time out, and uh, the injuries hopefully not serious to Arroyo and Latos. Uh, my big concern is Mike Leak at number five. Do you think the Reds are considering giving him a short leash? Leash, and is it possible they could turn to Tony Singrani? I think it would have to be pretty bad. I mean. He- you talk about, you know, a concern at number five. Most teams have concerns at number five. That's why they're number five starters. Mike Leak is still above average when you line up the number five starters in the game. He's above average for that. Um, you know, is he a number four? No. But right now he's a number five. And there's a lot of guys, a lot mm-hmm. of teams would really like to have Mike Leak there. Um, we were talking the other night. Look at... Uh, Look at the last 20 years of opening day starters for the Reds. And how many of those guys might look better than I, there, There's this jumping off a cliff that uh, the fan base has seemed to do about Mike Leak. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he's not a number one guy, but there aren't many number one guys out there. I, I, just, I just don't see the, the reason for panic over him. And, and, Who's to say any rookie um, is going to give you a better chance to win right now than a guy who's been doing this for four? This will be his fourth year. Well, I think um, the issue—that's that, a lot of big league learning. Yeah, I, I think the issue is one you just articulated before: is that I, I'm curious as to the mindset of the Reds. I think you're right. I think this team is built to win this year, and I think the team knows it. And decisions made in years like that are sometimes different than a team that, yeah, we, we might get to 500, we might not. But this team, this team has all the parts to win. And it'll be interesting to me to see how the Reds respond. If, 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 you know, if Mike Leake starts 0-5 again like he did last year, it'll be interesting to see how quickly, if they do, uh, you know, move to somebody else because they want to win now. He started on five last year, and they won 97 games. Yeah. Um, this is a, a team that's going to panic, um, especially with, with, with a known like Mike Leak. I mean, you know exactly what you're getting. It's not exactly what you want, but it's still a known commodity. And, and I, I, I really – it would have to be a disastrous start. And, and I mean, I, I don't think you look at wins and losses when you're judging a disastrous start or not. And um, if, if he goes out and he's giving up, he can't get through four innings a game for five outings, then, yeah, I mean, you have to try something. But I just don't see the track record of, of why that's, we're assuming that's going to happen right now. Uh, 
since he's now it's been uh, determined that he's going back to AAA, as everybody knew he would, uh, what was your uh, observations about Hamilton? Oh, um, you know, I, I think he was, he felt a lot of pressure um, when he got up here uh, to, to perform because a lot of eyes were on him. Heck, I mean, mine are always on him. He, he's an exciting player to watch. And it's a learning curve. You know, if you look at what he's done, when he when he got called up to double-A last year, you know, his first couple games, he got thrown out a couple times and, and was a learning curve, but this is a really quick learner. This kid this kid is he's fearless, but he's also um, smart about baseball, and especially on the bases. And so I think that's something that, that is, was good for him to fail. Um, just like it was the start of last year. Remember, I mean, he's not, he's still very young developmentally. Uh, he hasn't played as much baseball as some of the other guys, and, and he's getting there. And, and it's going to be very good to see him at AAA and what he can do on that level. Because the, the difference between um, pitchers and catchers and holding base runners between AA and AAA is huge, and then it's even bigger between AAA and the big leagues. It was good for him to get a taste of it um, and to show him what he needs to work on, and especially at the plate as well. Um, but, but overall, kid's fast, and he can change a game with his speed. And the thing about I think about Billy Hamilton is so much of it is speed is unique, and this is a unique skill that he has, and it's a lot of fun, and that has brought a lot of attention to him. Um, but he, he's not ready to, to play every day in the big leagues. The thing I liked, what I heard about him, I, I was down at spring training for about four or five days, is I heard Eric Davis say, and you just you just mentioned it, number one, he, he's a smart kid, and number two, he listens. He didn't come in there with mm-hmm. a cocky attitude, and, and he works at his game, he works at his craft, and that, to me, was very, very good news with his natural skills. If he puts some intellect to it, like Joe Morgan did, uh, the Reds could have a real special player on their hands. Well, and I think it's kind of that organization has been set up perfectly for him because he played for Ken Griffey Sr. He's played for Delino DeShield. These are guys who know a little bit about running. I mean, those are two very fast players. He's had Eric Davis around him a lot. And, and you know, for a certain, for people of a certain age, like me, I mean, Eric Davis is is, is a pinnacle of a, of a five-tool guy. I mean, he was just such an un- unbelievable baseball player all around. And I think it's it's important that um, Hamilton has had him around and, and does listen to to Eric. And it's, uh, it's it, it can do nothing but help him, especially because, as you said, he does listen and he does try to learn from from all those around him. And he's had such a good support staff with King Griffey Senior and the line of the shield Dan Eric Davis. I want to ask you about you, uh, Shinsu Chu. Now, up in Cleveland, Mark and I have discussed this. Uh, They're kind of surprised that the Reds are actually going to play him in center field. How's he looked down there playing center field, and and what's he looked like at the plate for the Reds? Uh, He's looked fine in center field. I mean, he's not going to win a gold glove. He's not going to be Drew Stubbs, but he doesn't have to be. Um, this, you know, it, it, it's a different ballpark too. Remember, Great American is a smaller ballpark in the outfield. Um, there's not as much room to cover. 
Uh, Jay Bruce is a pretty good outfielder as well. I mean, he's he doesn't cover as much ground as some other. He's not fast, but he's a, he's a decent outfielder. I, I I think the fact you know this remember this is a team who had a two fifty four on base percentage out of their leadoff spot. Whatever negative uh, hit they're going to take defensively in the outfield, and, and make no mistake. You know, guys like Bronson Arroyo and Mike Leak are going to miss having Drew Stubbs out there chasing around and, you know, chasing down a couple balls. But they're also going to enjoy seeing two or three runs on the board in the first couple innings, and that's what Shin Chu can give you. And, and, you know, he's done nothing to disprove what his his track, his history is. Um, He gets on base, and he's a good player. And I think his offense is, it really was the missing key to this offense. Trent, also, we've we've also discussed, we know that the season is a marathon. But this first month, the schedule, the way it's set up for the Reds, it could be a killer. If they can come out of this first month with a 500 record or better, they're really setting up the rest of the season uh, for themselves. That first month is really a killer as far as the schedule, wouldn't you say? It's tough. I mean, you get Anaheim, you have St. Louis, you got a lot of Washington. Uh, there's some good teams, and if you if you can tread water, you set yourself up because you're not playing those teams a little bit later. You've got those games out of the way, so it should it should be interesting. Um, but it, but again, you know, like you said, you can you can have a bad April and, and still and still be in it. Um, I, you know, there was remember there was a point in uh, I think it was in was it in June last year, and the Reds and the, the Indians met. And uh, the Indians had a better record, and and the Reds finished with 96 wins, and the, uh, the the Indians didn't quite get there. I mean, it's a long, long season, so to, to put any to put too much stock in any one section of a season is is dangerous. But I, I understand why people do it, especially at the beginning of the year. Trent, you know, one of the big stories today was the fact that Kyle Loesch signed with Milwaukee. Now, St. Louis is expected to be the Reds' main competitor in the Central. Were you surprised, or do you have any insight as far as why the Cardinals just had no interest in bringing Loesch back? Shelby Miller. I I just don't think they needed to spit. Well, that's that's a pretty good reason. Um, Shelby Miller is is an extremely good young pitcher. Um, they felt okay about the rotation without him. I think they're going to be they're going to be pretty good already, um, and and they just didn't want to spend that kind of money that that Kyle Loesch was looking for. Um, I guess you could say Shelby Miller slash Scott Boris, um, but but then you know Milwaukee scoops up, and they get a, a pretty good deal for for what Kyle Loesch has given them and what they need. Uh, that makes Milwaukee a much better team. That's a that's a punishing lineup. Um, when they're all healthy, and so you add a oh legit number two in there um, behind Giovanni Gallardo, and that team is suddenly a lot better. Uh, the one thing with St. Louis, St. Louis will they will swap those draft picks and get more money and do all that uh, by letting Lurch sign elsewhere. And if you look at what St. Louis has done over the last couple of years, they value those top draft picks and now the way the 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 pool of money that you have to sign your draft picks, that's even as important to have that extra money. 
available to pay draft picks, and, and that's something that they value highly, and I think they value that much more highly than the difference between what they would have between Kyle Oates and Shelby Miller. You know, Trent, I, even before you mentioned uh, Milwaukee's rotation and the and the and the power, they got some thunder in that lineup. I had them number two behind the Reds even before Loesch. I thought they were stronger up and down than the Cardinals. So after the Cardinals lost Carpenter, but I, I think that team is to be reckoned with. And uh, I think with Houston gone, you know, everybody in the division beat up on Houston, and that division is going to be a lot tougher, and it's going to be a heck of a lot tougher to win 97 games this year because of that division. Yeah, I mean. It- 97 games is a lot of games to win. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think people forget that. That's, you can have a very, very successful, um, season without winning that many games. Um, so it, it's, it'll be, that's a good team. I think St. Louis is a good team and should be in there. Um, there, there's a, this division gets kind of, uh, marginalized sometimes, but I think they're pretty good. Trent Rosencrans is our guest tonight. Trent, just uh, a couple of final questions here. For the people out there that that really think that a beat writer's job is just following the ball club around and talking to the manager after every game and that you just have a great life, it, it's a little rougher than, than just all that, isn't it, Trent? Is it? No, I don't know. Um, no, um, there's, you know, you put in hours. That's for darn sure. Um, you know, I, it's it's rough sometimes to be away from your family as much as that. Uh, I, I probably won't be on the road as much this year as as John Fay, but uh, there, there's a whole lot of um, there, you know, there's a whole lot of time and effort put in, and uh, but nobody wants to hear me complain about my job. I I got the job that I wanted, um, and uh, so it's. It's what it is. It's it's fine, and um, you know. But there there is a lot of time and a lot of phone calls, a lot of talking, uh, a lot of writing now. I mean, we write more than we ever did before between blogging and tweeting and and all that, and, and plus the regular stories that you have to write for the newspaper. It's it's a nonstop job. Um, so it's 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 what I signed up for. So it's it's fun, and um, I'm very lucky to be able to do it. What's your Twitter address, Trent, for those that want to follow you? C Trent. C Trent. C T R E N T. Yep. Okay. Trent, we really appreciate it. We had a real screw up at the beginning, and that's all my fault. But we appreciate you being patient and coming on the show tonight. And hopefully, we can have you on towards uh, the middle to the end of the year, and we'll be talking more about a Reds Division Championship. All righty. Thank you very much. Thank you, Thanks. Trent. Thanks a lot. Right. Trent Rosencrans of the Cincinnati Inquirer. And, well, I'll tell you, Mark, when things go wrong, they go wrong. And, uh, you know, I wanted to say to him when he was talking about being the beat writer that one of the – probably one of the best things is the fact that he's out in Arizona where it's 90 degrees right now and we're stuck here in Ohio where there's seven inches of snow and 35. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for him. Uh, <laughs> just being in Arizona – uh, I, I can I can relate to that. That's that's a lot of fun out there. But well, it's, uh, I if I was out in Arizona, I'd be uh, in my shorts and just blinding everyone with my paisley white legs. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's nice to hear uh, you know someone say they're doing what they always wanted to do, and uh, not not a lot of people have that uh, 
that luxury in life to dream about something and then go out and do it. That, 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 no matter what it is, being a writer or a doctor or a lawyer or an Indian chief, it doesn't matter. If you're doing what you like, that's the most important thing. Yes, especially uh, when you're writing about baseball, when you're doing something, you know, like you said, that you absolutely <laughs> love, and, that, and that's exactly what he's doing. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, now the, the art of writing and sports writing, it's all micromanaged to some degree now with the educations you can get. You can go to college now and you can train to be a sports writer. Uh, rather than to be a writer, you train to be a sports writer. It's the same thing with a lot of the, the, the colleges are offering these micro educational programs that set you up for something very specific. If you wanted to be a writer 20, 30 years ago, you went to school to be a writer. But now you can, you can define what you want to do. Uh, there's uh, programming on TV. You can you can take courses in radio. Uh, there, there's just a lot of opportunities. That, and I hope uh, some of the young people listening take advantage of those things because you can do what you want. And that, that's the most important thing. Well, and I know when I was in radio full-time, Mark, doing games and, and doing the sports on a full-time basis at, at a couple of different radio stations, it wasn't so much the fact that you got to cover the games, and it wasn't so much the fact that you got to get into all these places, but the camaraderie with the coaches and the players and the fans and the things that happened before the game, after the game. I could tell stories of things that happened after ball games that people would just laugh and, and, and cry about. And, and to talk to the coaches off the record, about what actually happened at a ball game. It, it's just, that's, I think, what I miss the most about not covering these games. Well, back to the Reds, and then we're going to talk about the Indians in a couple of minutes, too. But um, one thing I disagreed with with Trent Rosencrantz is uh, his uh, position that the Reds would be uh, very, very patient with Mike Leake as, as the fifth starter. And uh, I think there there would be years where they would do that. I just don't think they're going to be patient with much of anybody this year. And that team is not going to win 97 games again. It's going to be a much closer race. Don't forget, they, they won the division by, what, nine or ten games over the Cardinals. Uh, I, I would bet a whole lot of money that's not going to happen this year. Uh, I think 92 games, 93 games is probably going to win the division. And you can't afford a lot of losses. And I am very concerned about what, not just the spring training with Mike Leake, but last year he was not effective. I mean, he had he had stretches that he was, but he, he he did finish better than he started. But even then, his DRA was over four uh, and, and pushing five for for a lot of the season, even after he started zero and five, and he didn't have a good second half of the year before. So it'll be interesting to me to see what they do with that starting rotation. And God forbid that Homer Bailey, you know, the Reds got beat 16 to nothing today, and Homer Bailey gave up eight or nine runs. And he got pounded. And he's going to have one more start before the bell rings. And Latos has not pitched well. Arroyo has not pitched well. And and the, the biggest fear for me is Cueto. Cueto has not pitched well. So you don't have anybody that's going out there and throwing darts at this point 
And I, I think uh, this team is going to be less patient than Trent might, might, might realize because they have to win this year. Do you think a lot of the, the problems with pitchers getting pounded right now is the fact that the spring training has just been way too long? I understand that years ago it used to be six weeks long, but that was because all the players came into camp looking to get into shape. Now they're coming into camp in shape. They only need three to four weeks, and the reason this one was extended was because of the WBC. But this thing, spring training, just seems that this year to have been going on forever. Yeah, and there is something to be said for the dead arm that you that you get in spring training, where uh, you know after three or four starts, it's just a natural occurrence where. Uh, you know, the adrenaline isn't there. Uh, you know, Bailey went out there today. I think he pitched three or four innings and, and just got hammered. Uh, so you have to say, okay, maybe his arm's a little dead now. Uh, he'll get his strength back. And the adrenaline of opening day or opening week, he'll be back. And we certainly hope that's the case. But if it was just one or two pitchers, I wouldn't be concerned. It's all five. All five starting pitchers have not pitched well. And some of them have pitched very poorly. And if if the, if the Reds aren't concerned, I mean, they may not say they're concerned, but you can't see your your, start, your five starting pitchers going out there and getting pounded. And I, I, I'm not saying just getting hit hard. They're getting pounded. Now, who knows what's going to happen opening day and beyond that first week or two. But uh, i got to tell you, I'm a little concerned about it. Well, you know, like we said, Kazmir got lit up uh, on Sunday. Not exactly lit up, but he gave up 15 hits in the five innings that he pitched on Saturday. Hey, Dave. Uh, Yeah. That's lit up. (laughs) Well, you can give up 15 hits and only give up, you know, three or four runs. That's In the American League, that's like an ERA under two. (laughs) That's called luck. (laughs) (laughs) Well... The, the reason I was pulling for Kazmir so much is because he's a lefty. And the Indians need a left-hander in that rotation. Well, the guy that intrigues me for the Reds is also a lefty, is Tony Singrani. And I, I think the Reds need a lefty in, in, that, in that rotation. And I, I would be stunned if, if somebody doesn't fall back, if somebody does fall back or there's an injury, that they don't put Singrani into the rotation. He looked very, very good last year. He pitches way above his age. He's, he's got great stuff. He's, he's throwing 93-94 as a left-hander uh, with a great breaking ball, and, and he's calm. And he's got control. So I, I would like to see him get a shot. But not, you know, I'm patient enough to wait till next year <laughs> that he gets a shot because I don't want uh, a Reds pitcher to get blown up this year. But uh, it, it's great to have a guy like that in, in the wings. Is he going to start the year with the Reds, or is he going to go down? I don't think that's been decided yet, and a lot of it has to do with Manny, Manny Parra. Uh, he pitched well today. He pitched a perfect inning today. Uh, I think he only read the dead. And uh, if he is ready to go in the bullpen, that extra left-hander in the bullpen, I think Stingrani will go down and start, uh, which I think he should. Now, if, if you know, Parra came in, and he did have a, a slight injury at the beginning of spring training, and I think there was a chance then that they would have turned to Singrani as their bullpen left-hander, in addition to Marshall. You know, switching to the Indians very quickly, Mark, you know, I'm more excited about this team than I have been in any Indians team since probably 
2008, and I really wasn't even that enthused about that team because I thought the 2007 team, which came within uh, and out of going to the World Series that year, getting beat by Boston, I thought they overachieved that year. This team, I'm not sure they can win the division, and we'll go through our predictions next week. I'm not sure they can win the division, Mark, but I think they're going to be an exciting ball club, and I think they're going to be extremely improved over the 68 wins they had a year ago. You know, last night I was watching MLB, MLB um, uh, the, the cable channel, and they were talking about the Indians. And it's the first time I've heard them in several years say that this team has a lot of talent. And the, the question is, is this year the time that that talent comes to, it, comes to bear? Because they, they've got some skilled players on that, in, the, in that lineup They've got good pitching. They've got good defense. They've got speed. They've got a lot of stuff. And if they get the starting pitching that you've been talking about all spring, uh, you know, I really think the Indians, if I had to pick right now, I'd put them number two behind Detroit. And, you know, Detroit got off to a terrible start last year. So who knows what would happen, you know, if the Indians get hot. And I think the Indians have, have a real chance to win 88 to 90 games this year. That probably won't be enough to win the division, but it could be enough to get them into the wild card. Yeah, it could. Now, the season is going to start, uh, open up on Sunday night. Uh, why Major League Baseball ever took the traditional opener away from Cincinnati, I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's going to start in Houston. It will be Houston's first American League game as they move over to the AL, and they will be entertaining the Texas Rangers. That's the opening night game on Sunday Night Baseball, that on ESPN. And then the Reds are going to open up the very next day on Monday, Monday afternoon with the Angels. And like we were talking about last week, Mark, that schedule in April is just a bear for the Reds. They're going to open up with the Angels, and then they play the Nationals next weekend. And then the week after, they go to St. Louis and Pittsburgh. So it is going to be a tough schedule for the Reds. Yeah, it is going to be tough. But Trent's right. You know, you can't. Even if the Reds get off to a rocky start in the first month, they're going to have plenty of time to, to, to right the ship, especially if their pitching staff is as good as it was last year. But, you know, you're looking at, you're talking about the Astros opening up against the Rangers. How would you like to be the Astros? I know if they had the worst record in baseball last year, but they had the worst record in the National League. And they're going into a division with the Angels, the Rangers, the A's, and who's the other team? Uh, Seattle. Seattle. Uh, you know, Seattle's the worst of that group, and they're pretty good. Uh, this team this team could lose 120 games this year, 110 games. That's, that's not far-fetched. Yeah, it, it, it could be very, very bad for Houston. The Indians are going to open up next Tuesday. They've got night games in Toronto, and like we were saying earlier, Mark, uh, there's no chance of any rainouts being hap uh, being held up in Toronto with the Dome, and then they're going to Tampa Bay for the opening weekend on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And, again, that's a dome stadium. So you've got two of the main competitors in the American League East going up against the Indians, one of the main competitors in the Central, and that should be a, uh, a fun six games to open the season. Yeah, it's great. I, I, and I think, frankly, a lot of teams are better opening on the road. It takes the pressure off of them. Um, I've always maintained that the Reds are under so much pressure uh, it, it's like a World Series game, opening day in Cincinnati. That's always sold out. Uh, 
people have such high expectations, and it's so depressing if they lose that first game with all the hoopla that they have down there. Uh, but I tell you, facing the Angels the first three games of the season, uh, that, that's a that's a tough task. And then St. Louis and Washington, and then they play Washington again before the end of the year, every end of the month. Uh, like you said, it could be a really tough month. I don't want to tip anything off for next week's show where we give our predictions, but Mark, can you imagine any other manager in baseball today going into this season that is under more pressure than Mike Sosha with the Angels? Uh, I think you're right. Uh, you know, last year was <laughs> a disaster. And <clears throat> as you take the Reds as an example, the Reds are supposed to win the division. I think every expert I've read has them first. And if they don't, they have them second. I mean, they're supposed to be very good this year. The Angels last year, going into 2012, they were prohibitive favorites to win. There was, there was no way they wouldn't win. And they got off to such a horrible start, they never recovered. And, you know, at the, at the end of the year, it, it, they had to be the most disappointing team in baseball. Even though Socia, I think everybody believes, is one of the top two or three managers in baseball. Yeah, I would agree with you. I don't know if he's one of the top two or three, but I'd say he's at least in the top five. Um, Who would you have better? Who would you have above him? Well, now you're putting me on the spot. But, I, I okay, let me uh, – we don't have enough time in the show. But, I mean, I think the very first manager I would have to go to is uh, Bochy out in San Francisco. That guy has done more with less than anybody else in baseball. Yeah, I think you're right. I would have him. I would have him number one. But you know, take out, uh, you know, last year as an example. Going into last year, I think everybody thought that Mike Sosha was one of the top two or three managers in baseball, notwithstanding what happened last year. And I don't know to what degree you can blame him for that, but I still think he's considered a, a great manager, and he's got the track record to prove it. I think I think you got to put Davey Johnson up there too. Davey Johnson, uh, you've got to put Tampa Bay's manager up there, Joe Madden. I think you've got to you've got to put him into the mix. Um, I've always liked Jim Leland. Jim Leland is not one of the guys that that uh, really harnesses a lot of credit, um, but I've always liked that guy as a manager. Um, I'm trying to run down all the teams right now. Well, it's um, interesting how, and I'm not, I'm not picking on you, David, but you didn't say anything about Dusty Baker. Now, is that, and, and you're not alone in that. If you look at lists of top managers in baseball, uh, MLB Network just had uh, the same thing, and they had Dusty Baker, I, I think, rated fifth or sixth. And Mark, I hadn't even gotten to the Central yet. <laughs> I'm thinking down these teams in each division in my head, trying to think of the managers, and I hadn't got to the Central yet. <laughs> but why doesn't Dusty Baker get the respect? I mean, this guy is, is, is what he's the second winningest baseball active manager in baseball right now. He's won Manager of the Year three times, and he, he came into the Reds who hadn't won in what ten years or more. And no, I. I, I agree with you. I think both teams, the Indians and the Reds, each have outstanding managers, without a doubt. Um, is, is Dusty in the top five? I think I would put him side by side with Sosha. Now, I, like I said, I don't know if Sosha's in the top five, but I would say that they're neck and neck. Yeah, I mean, if you, if you discount winning a World Series, 
which is an aberration. Let's face it. I mean, for a team to win a World Series, it doesn't happen very often. So you can't look at that as the only requirement to be considered a great manager. I think it's consistency, it's longevity, it's it's the evaluation of your players and the press. And I, I just don't think Dusty Baker gets his due, uh, you know, based on uh, really a, a career. I mean, this guy's won everywhere he's gone. He won in Chicago, he won in San Francisco, he won in Cincinnati. So I... I I know you hate Dusty Baker, so I, I just I've never said that. You, I have never said. But but quickly, we've got to wrap up tonight's show. What are the Reds and the Indians in this last week of spring training trying to accomplish as they open up next Monday and Tuesday? Nobody get hurt. I mean, they've had, as you said, they've had enough of spring training. Uh, what they're all hoping for. Let's go into uh, take our chances. Go into the season healthy. And, and, and see what happens. It, it, it's it's all over now. It's it's time for the bell to ring, and I think the Reds and Indians both have a chance to, to be in the postseason. Well, they're all wishing for this week to go away, but be careful what you wish for because you're leaving 90-degree temperatures and coming back to Ohio. That's right. <laughs> Mark, thanks a lot for tonight's show. We'll talk to you. Get your predictions ready. We'll talk to you again next Monday night. Okay, Dave. Have a good week. Oh, you too. Our thanks to Trent Rosencrantz for being our guest here tonight on the Ohio Baseball Show. Don't forget to join me on Thursday night for the BBA Baseball Talk Show at 9 o'clock on Blog Talk Radio. Our thanks to Mark Donahue, to Greg Mitchell, our producer, and again to Trent Rosencrantz for being our guest. I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next Monday night with our prediction show at 9 o'clock. Good night, everybody. <laughs>